0: the numbers. <laughs> you <good. laughs> Okay. Hi, we're recording now. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. And we have um, an amazing guest. I'm actually kind of freaking out because I love them so much. <laughs> uh, we have Anita Kelly here, who originally from a small town in the, do you say, is it Pocono? Uh, Pocono. Pocono. Okay. I like that. That's really cute. name. Mountains of Pennsylvania. Anita Kelly now lives in the Pacific Northwest with their family. A teen librarian by day, they write romance that celebrates queer love in all its infinite possibilities. Whenever not reading or writing, they're drinking too much tea, taking pictures and dreaming of their next walk in the woods. They hope you get to pet a dog today. I just love you. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you both for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, okay, so in just a few weeks, what is the date to the release for Something Wild and Wonderful? So it's
1: two weeks exactly from today, I think, um, March 7th. Oh, my god, Two or three weeks, I don't know. Um, yes, yeah, so it's all starting to get real. I'm starting to have like anxiety dreams about my
2: like appearances in person
1: and stuff. And so that's great, but no, I'm very excited for it to come out on March (laughs) 7th. Yay.
0: And then actually this would be a good place to say on March 11th, um, Anita and I get to chat in person about their amazing book at the ripped bodice.
1: Yes. I'm very excited. What time is it again, Anita? Uh, It's at five o'clock, five o'clock. Um, on, yeah, yeah, on Saturday, March 11th. And yeah, actually that was one of my anxiety dreams that I had the other night. I dreamed that I got to (laughs) the ripped bodice. And first of all, I had forgotten like all of my pre-order stuff that I was supposed to bring to put in the books and that like, both of the Ripada sisters just, like, hated me for some reason. And I, 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 don't, I don't know. It was, like, then I woke up and I was, like, I'm doing great. Super excited for all of my appearances. But it, but it, it will be House better House than out. that. I'm sure they won't hate me. And I'll and I'll remember myself. Okay, well, first of all,
0: no one could hate you. And I've got you back. If you forget something, I'll just, like, go grab – trail mix, <laughs> like,
2: we'll give everyone a trail mix. <laughs> Courtney is like great. the perfect person to have with you in those situations because Courtney just has like such good mom energy that she's <laughs> like first of all you're gonna be fine yeah. second of all whatever you need I'm gonna handle it for you like I'm gonna take care of it <laughs> exactly Aww, I know. I was talking to
1: uh, Allison Cochran, who I'm also doing an event with on release day, Um, but she was talking about going to do her event with you um, at the Ribotis, and she was like, she's like, you think Courtney's not going to be as sweet in person as she seems, but she is. She's like 100% (laughs) that sweet.
0: (laughs) No, oh my God. This is not the Courtney show. (laughs) Y'all, no, I just adore you, but um, wait, shoot. Anyway, sorry, wild how specific. No, (laughs) I just love you.
1: Isn't it wild how specific our stress dreams are about book stuff? Yes, they're incredibly specific, and the kind of dream that would make no sense to anyone who's not like in you know, like the writing or romance circles. Like, I couldn't wake up and tell my wife I had a dream. That the owners of the Red Bottice hated me because she'd be like, What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so I just keep it inside until I get on a podcast and talk about it. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Been there. Yeah,
2: I'll we've ask- all been there.
1: I <laughs> know,
0: seriously. Please tell us all about your beautiful, amazing book that is absolutely
1: wrecking me right now. Uh, So Something Wild and Wonderful uh, takes place on the Pacific Crest Trail. And it is about two people who have come to the trail for very different reasons. Although that's always kind of been my pitch. And the more I think about it, I think their reasons are actually kind of similar. Um, They're both at a point in their lives where um, they either want to start over or like, you know, start a new responsible life, and anyway, they meet each other on the trail multiple times, and eventually start hiking together and um, find love, essentially, <laughs> through a series of trials and tribulations on the trail and off. Okay,
0: so I am currently like I'd say seventy five percent through mm-hmm. the manuscript. And the amount of feelings I have felt is not okay. But like in the best way. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I, oh my
1: god. I definitely hurt my own feelings with this oh one. Yeah. It, it made me cry every time I worked on it too. Um, and that's been the, the biggest feedback I've gotten from people is that it makes them cry. Which is always this, you know, kind of mixed reaction of like oh, I'm so glad because, you know, like what I, you know, did accomplish something, you know, like it made you feel something. But also, you know, I'm sorry Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I made you cry. Um, (laughs) But I was really worried uh, when I was working on this book and preparing to put this book out there because it is different in tone, I'd say, from my debut, Love and Other Disasters. And I am, you know, contracted to write (laughs) rom-coms. I like, you know, gave this book to my editor, being like, "Here's a book about people being sad and walking through the desert for a long time, having sad feelings." <laughs> uh, and she actually uh, called me before she even finished the first, you know, reading the first draft of this, being like, "So we have to change this a little bit <laughs> because it is the first draft was oh. was even like sadder than than the finished product." um because she's like you know we are going to be selling this to rom-com readers and we want to yeah so essentially the the first draft was only from alexi's point of view and alexi is really kind of the main you know it's pretty obvious he's kind of the main focus of this story he has the most trauma that he is working through and yeah so at first it was just all alexi's point of view and so she when she called me, she was like, I think if we enter Ben's point of view, who is the more, you know, sunshiny character, that'll help kind of lighten the load of Alexi's trauma and, you know, help readers through it. And she was totally correct like that. It really helped change the book, I think, and made it more palatable. But it was also a big edit, <laughs> which is why she called me like halfway through reading it. She's like, I'm not even going to give you my edits until you know, you do this point of view change, and then we'll go from there. So yes, the the first edit of this book was going through and adding Ben's point of view, which at times was really easy to do. And at times I was like, Oh, shit, I don't really know Ben at all. Like, you know, you think you know, the Mm -hmm. secondary character, if you're writing single point of view, but then when you actually have to, you know, get into their head, you're like, Oh, I actually don't know this character at all. And then a lot of Our edits after that, we're really kind of digging into Ben and making sure that he had his own, you know, separate storyline as well. But yeah, so it's definitely more serious in tone than my first book, I'd say, but still is my voice, and I hope has some moments of levity as well.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, and it's so escapist. And the thing through, the thing I keep feeling like, even through the heavier moments, which it's not all heavy. No. There are heavy moments. Yeah. And the thing I keep feeling is the security of you like holding the reader's hand, you know, like it's going to be okay. It's going to end hopefully. And I love your, it, not it's going to end hopefully. Mm-hmm. It's going to end like with hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, it's going to end in a hopeful way. And you're going to have that happy ending. And I don't know. I love that about romance novels that we get to examine the hard things and come out of it. Okay. You know, and, and bigger and better and with love. I think,
2: I think that's one of the things that is so great about romance is that you feel safe, like opening yourself Mm -hmm. up to that. You know, you you can allow yourself to go to a place that's a little more vulnerable, either as a reader or a writer, um, because you know that it's all going to to turn out okay in the end. It lets you have that safe space,
0: exactly, and allows you to really like go into your feelings Mm -hmm. and reflect on things that you need to as a reader. Yeah,
1: and I I think why like uh, writing this book, um, you know, this book feels very special to me, and I think. Uh, one of the reasons why I was able to kind of you know craft that type of feeling that you were talking about, Courtney, is because it is a very close-in book. Like it's most of the book is literally just about these two people hiking on a trail, and so you know there's not a ton of secondary characters or you know subplots or things that happen um, in other books. Like the next book I wrote on is, or I've been working on is you know, very different from this book. There's a bigger cast and like more things happening. And so it's a very different writing experience where since this one was just about these two people on this one adventure, I could kind of focus in on you know, their feelings a lot more and just that eternal internal character growth and um, which is kind of my jam. Like that's always what I want to actually just be writing is just about people's feelings. So yes, this book was really kind of my sweet spot.
0: And you did it. You have done it amazingly.
1: It's so good. (laughs) Thank you. Do you you ever
0: feel like this meme keeps popping up in my head lately? This is not going to be something profound that I'm about to say. (laughs) The, you know that moment in mean girls when that person is in the middle of the gymnasium and they're just like i just have feelings yeah <laughs> like when people ask me you know why did you start writing that is why like that that moment in mean girls right there that's
2: me yeah <laughs> because you have so many feelings yeah <laughs>
0: Do you ever feel that way when you're writing a book?
2: Yeah, I, I feel, oh like, gosh, that's I feel like that
1: that meme I could use like in reaction to anything ever that happened. Yes. <laughs> like every yeah. like I could use that <laughs> meme somehow every day in my life if I if I wanted to. So I, yeah. I understand. But no, I I, I knew we had that in common. <laughs> but no, I do feel that way. Sometimes I get really envious when um I read books that are, you know, really kind of have perfectly spare prose and really focus on, you know, action over, you know, internal dialogue and, you know, the classic, you know, showing, not telling, et cetera. I'm always like, oh, how do they do this? (laughs) Because I feel like all I want to do is just tell feelings. (laughs) But, um, Mm. but yeah, but no, I, I really think, you know, both versions of Writing can be really powerful. So, yes.
0: And I know, so Fallon and I have talked at length about th- the book, too. Mm-hmm. Fallon. Dun, dun,
2: dun. <laughs> <laughs> we know. Um, well, I think it's interesting because you mentioned already that you went through a pretty extensive edit process with this one where you know, you made a lot of significant changes. And I think that seems to be sort of a common thread, at least for Courtney and yeah. I, with our second books as well. Yeah. Um, so can how is the process for you writing this book different from writing your first one?
1: So yeah, so the the writing of this book, um, like I wrote most of this first draft before, you know, I sold Love and Other, uh, Love and Other Disasters, which Looking back, I'm really grateful for um, because it was such like kind of an internal, personal, different kind of book that I don't know if I, I honestly could have written this book after, you know, <laughs> like selling a book and knowing what the publication process is like, because once you've gone through that, it's kind of impossible to write without, you know, the audience in mind and without thinking, how will this be marketed? How will this be um, received, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I don't know. I don't know if I would have come up with this book if it wasn't just me writing it to myself. Um, So I'm kind of grateful that I wrote it before everything else happened. But yes, I feel (laughs) uh, like I don't know if you both had similar processes too, but with your debut book, often by the time you know, you've gone through the process of getting an agent and going on sub. And so you've already kind of edited the hell out of this book. Um, And so when I got, yeah, my, like my edits on Love Love and Other Disasters were very light. Um, Looking back, like I actually expected them to be heavier. Like I was ready for like the professional editing, editing experience. And it was like, change a few things, blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, it was, you know, after going through Pitch Wars and everything else, it was kind of easy peasy. And then, yeah, this book uh, was a journey. But I think it – but I actually really enjoyed it. Um, Like, I think my editor worked with me so much on this book and, like, believed in this book so much, even though there was a lot of work to do on it, that it was, like, a really special experience. Like, this book is so much better because of my editor's work and belief in it. And so I'm just really grateful for that. Like, it's a very cool – it's a very special relationship, I think, to to creatively work on something together like that. So, yeah, I'm very grateful for how this book has turned out, even if it was a lot of a lot a lot of work to get it there. <laughs> but how are you? We're how just are like you nodding feeling? in agreement, Bellen, How are you feeling since your second book is now officially out? Like, how are you Ooh. feeling with your second um, second publication process? <laughs> mostly tired. <laughs>
2: um, but it's, no, it has been uh, really incredible, honestly, and very overwhelming. And um, you know, it's interesting, like in a lot of ways, I felt more comfortable this time around, um, just knowing a little bit more of what to okay. expect, obviously. Um, I, I feel like I did have less overall anxiety maybe more like targeted Mm -hmm. anxiety, like into very specific, you know, facets of how things were going to turn out. Um, But, you know, I feel very lucky that this book has been received very well. And, you know, so many people have been so kind and generous and, you know, it's, very surreal feeling when you have, you know, people DMing you being like, you're my favorite author. And I'm like, what? Like, are you sure? (laughs) like That can't be a real thing that is happening in my life. Um, But I think you get that a lot more after your second book, like, you know, people will read your debut and really like it and be very nice and say nice things. And then I think once they're like, oh, wait, I liked two of your books, like now I really like feel like i can support you fully (laughs) um and so that has been yeah you have a
1: backlist now yeah
2: yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah and that's the other thing that's wild is like people have been like oh i love just my type i'm gonna go pick up Lisa Mm -hmm. on love and i'm like oh okay cool yeah this is the thing that like that's how that happens now yeah um so yeah very overwhelming definitely a lot more with book two then with debut more interviews more publicity things to do more events you know which is has its pluses and minuses but um overall everything has just been so positive and wonderful yeah. and people are amazing
1: yeah well i think that's too um like the more publicity and events thing is also just a natural like evolution we're seeing of you know, coming out of the worst of COVID. Um yeah. since yeah, like our debuts all came out, um, when bookstores weren't really doing events and um and or as much as they are now. Yeah. And so it's been interesting like all seeing all the authors posting like tours that they're going on now and it's just yeah, it's it's a different world it feels like. <laughs> but
2: I'm yeah. excited for it. It's only been a year, but it feels it feels like a different world in yeah. a lot of ways yeah. yeah for sure
1: yeah there definitely are things like you were saying that you like in a lot of ways the second book at least the publication process is easier because like i remember cuz you know you know what things are like now i remember with my first book i was very um obsessed with like net galley of you know like if people were reading it on NetGalley and like they're like, you know, looking at reviews and just, yeah, like different, like early obsessions. And now I, I like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've logged on to NetGalley once since something while and wonderful went onto it, like to see its rankings or whatever. And I'm proud of myself for that. <laughs> but yeah, there's just like things that you, yeah, you know that you don't need to worry about as much and that you're just, you know, you know what to expect, like you said. And that that part of it is very nice.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it has been easier to protect my mental health yeah. a little bit with this yeah. one. Um, like, I have not... Checked Goodreads this entire time. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just staying away. I got burned (laughs) with Lisa. I'm like I am not even going back there. I don't want to know. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear anything about it. Um, and it's easier this time to have that self control. Like it's really hard with your first book because of course you want to know like what people are saying and you're so concerned about the reception of the book and you know it's all right there. You just have to. Clicky click a few little links and you can see it all. Um, so that temptation has not been there this time, which yeah. is nice.
1: Yeah, on the then on the other hand, I feel like I've experiencing I've been experiencing more than I thought I would like comparisons to how things went with the first book mm. versus how things were going with this book, and trying not to like 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 this book has only gotten I think two trade reviews so far and the first one got like six or something you know and so I'm like oh there's less attention about this book um, or you know like I think of my first book got a lot of attention because it featured a non-binary protagonist and I feel like then people were disappointed that this one doesn't and you know just like all different comparisons like that but it's just a lot of but when that like enters my mind, you really just have to focus on like, well, you know, I wrote, you know, each each book is different. And I wrote the book that I wanted to write each time. And and I'm someone, I think Courtney have, and I have talked about this, especially with writing queer romance. I'm someone that just likes to write um, about different queer experiences. And so my books aren't all going to be, you know... They aren't all going to have non-binary or trans or trans protagonists. I can't talk this morning. Um, Or they're not all going to be FF or MM. You know, like I like writing a variety of things, which some readers don't like, but that's just what works best for me. So you kind of have to stick to your own guns when it comes to that (laughs) self-criticism or not self-criticism, but external criticism that then turns internal (laughs) when you look at it too much. So...
0: Yeah, and and I think we have to like protect ourselves in a way because I think so much about writing. Uh, I know we could have like a whole TED talk on yeah. it, but I so so many queer creators <sighs> like write as a form of self discovery as mm-hmm. well, and so it's very like uh, I. I always want to use like such care when I talk about it. Cause I don't always know how to take my thoughts and put them into words because they're like such big feelings, yes, you know, and you're always worried right about saying the wrong thing. But, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, but I think at the end of the day, it, it is about self-discovery and it's like queer stories are queer stories, yeah. you know, and queer creators are queer creators. And I think, um, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like if we just try to focus on that um as creators, then you know, that won't steer us wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you have written such a gorgeous, beautiful story and like the and the care you put into it is so incredible and deep and very obvious. And so I, I guess my what I wanted to say was it's hard as a queer creator because we're living in sort of a space where things are kind of becoming, um, God, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Maybe we'll have to edit this out or not. But what I'm trying to say is binaries like have always existed for so long. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very difficult for some people to acknowledge that like, it's okay to write a spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, because we're like, we've been so programmed to be like, well, this is this and this is that. But in being a queer creator is not really, it's not this or mm-hmm. that. It's like, we're just who we are and we create the stories and, yeah. you know, it's not going to be a specific experience or it's not going to
1: be, Um, it's not going to look a certain mm-hmm. way, you know? Yeah. And I know, um, and I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. You are, yeah, and and I I think I think queer <laughs> romance itself had like just especially in the last few years is is changing very fast. Um, I think queer romance itself was kind of stuck in the binary for a long time, where, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. like you know readers only wanted to read FF stories or MM stories, and that was what you know they wanted, and so I feel like a lot of authors felt like that was all they could write. Um, you know, if that was their lane that mm. they had started writing in. And I, I mean, I think a lot of writers are still like that. And there's not, nothing wrong with that either. Like, you know, <laughs> like if that's what you feel comfortable writing, yeah. um, then, right, then exactly. keep writing that. But I think, no, I think there are a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of borders and binaries are starting to degrade a little bit. And, um, and even, yeah. not even in like queer romance specifically, but like I have read quite a few, I'm going to say at least three books I can think of off the top of my head that I've read in the last six months where there is a prominent non binary side character that uses they, them. And, you know, even though their story is not the central story, it's still like important and normalized. And so, yeah, I I can't remember reading that before. Um, And so I think, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff is changing, I think, in, in good ways. But I feel like I, I just had the thought when I was working on my third book, so the book that's coming out after this, which, again, you know, is totally different from, from this book. And so I'm still, <laughs> every time I do something different, I'm like, worried that people are gonna hate it, even though that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. But where was I going with this. Oh, but I was like this is the queerest book I've ever I've ever written cuz like this is so gay. And then but I'm like I think this every time I write a book, <laughs> like every time I write something, I'm like this is the gayest <laughs> shit I've ever done. And it's just because I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I think it's because like with each book I'm able to kind of explore a different facet of queerness that I want to explore. And yes! so that's it And right so I there. think that that is such like a special thing um of about queerness that there is so much to explore um and so you know this one Mm -hmm. this book kind of focuses on alexi's journey of being disowned by his family and his church after coming out as gay as a person of faith and i was really worried about this book for multiple reasons but i mean that storyline in particular is kind of like you know the gay you know tale as old as time and i'm like are people going to be like i don't know just bored by this story or like think i'm just capitalizing you know on like trauma porn of um you know the gay community and but it was it was a story that i needed to to tell um and then then the, the next book is you know totally different and focusing on something you know not related to faith or you know, family disownment at all. And so, yeah, basically, there's just so many stories out there to tell. And I don't think any of them are wrong, unless they're, you know, actually exploitive, which also happens. But, right. for, the mo- but for the most part, I think all of us are just out here doing our best. So
0: <laughs> I agree. Yes. I think that's the best, the best summary.
2: <laughs> I um, love that.
0: So in your inspiration for this book, which, by the way, I like s- super related to like the radical Christian upbringing of um, uh, that was represented in this novel. Yeah. So um, but in your inspiration leading into like what inspired it, are you a big hiker or how? How did you tell us about like the action, like the setting and the hiking and the? uh, So my um, husband is like a huge; he loves hiking, and I've gone backpacking uh, back in my youth (laughs) with him. (laughs) Fallon, have you have you all been backpacking before?
2: No, I mean, and I can tell you when I started reading this book, I was like, oh my god, this is like my literal worst nightmare, (sighs) like. If I could think of like my own personal way to torture myself, (laughs) it would be hiking, no beds, no no showers, like this, no bathroom. Like I might actually die. But I found myself as I was reading, like through lots of points, being like, okay, I can actually like see the appeal of why people do this. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I was like, okay, I still probably not going to partake. But yeah. <laughs> I understand. No, that's actually <laughs> I understand why <laughs> people want it's to. It's
1: actually <laughs> been my favorite feedback that I've gotten so far, which I've gotten often
2: but from people,
1: uh, which just isn't necessarily surprising because, you know, a lot of romance readers are people that just like cozying up at home with the book and not entering the woods. But yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of readers have been like, yes. <laughs> I would never in my life do this, but I enjoyed reading about it, <laughs> including my editor. I. Yeah, I think like my editor's last comment was like, I would never voluntarily take a hike, but your book made me at least want to <laughs> or something. I was like, thank you. But, um, yeah. but yes, no, I, I love hiking. Um, A lot of this, writing this book was kind of like fantasy for me, because like you, Courtney, I did most of my hiking more in my youth. And since having a child and other things, I have not like gotten out there backpacking again. Just So this was me kind of like, oh, if I was younger and single, this is what I would do. <laughs> but, um, but no. So yeah, I grew up in a very small town. Um, you know, my house was, you know, in the middle of the woods. Like I remember the first time I brought my wife to the house where I grew up because um, she had grown up in more urban settings. And she was really freaked out, especially at night. She was like, it's too quiet. She's like, no one would hear you scream here. And I'm like, nope, you're oh. right. So um, yeah. <laughs> and anytime, <laughs> that? Anytime, anytime she goes to my hometown, and there's just kind of like wildlife everywhere. Um, and she's like, this is not normal. She's like, I can't believe you're acting like this, like flock of turkeys or this fox, like crossing your yard is normal. But anyway, so yeah, So I grew up, uh, you know, kind of wandering the woods around my house and my hometown. And so nature has always been kind of important to me. Um, and then I moved to, you know, a big city for college and I liked city life too, for various different reasons. And so, When we eventually moved out here to Portland, Oregon, where I now live, it was really kind of the best of both worlds because I live in a city, but, you know, you drive a half hour and you're in like rainforest, waterfalls, like amazing, amazing nature, which the cities I spent the most time in previously were uh, New York and Boston, where which I love both New York and Boston. But to get to kind of like real pure nature you know you have to get through so much urban sprawl and suburbia and stuff and so here it's like so accessible and so that was really exciting to me and so when we first moved here yeah I spent the first few years especially just like hiking all the time um and then eventually after uh several years of really kind of getting used to the trails out here i enlisted my friend cliff to hike part of the pacific crest trail with me so our goal was to hike all of oregon which is about 300 miles i believe and then i like injured my foot and so in the and then so in the end i've hiked about 150 miles of oregon so about half we didn't, we didn't get all the way there um wow. So, yeah, so I've hiked 150 miles at the PCT, which like on its own, like that is a lot of miles. But then considering that the VCT is over like 2,500 miles, it really doesn't feel like much at all. But, yeah, so a lot of the experiences in the book were kind of taken from my own hiking experiences, plus you know all the research I did of you know the different parts of the trail that they spend time on that I have not spent time on myself. There's just a ton of amazing like hiking vlogs like on YouTube where you can watch people walk the entirety of the trail basically. Um, And I had my own guidebooks that I had gotten for my own trail preparations that were really helpful too. And yeah. So, yeah, so I love hiking. So a lot of this book was just from my own experiences in um, yeah, in the hiking world. And, but, but kind of some of what, some of there's a lot of inspirations for this book, but some of the inspiration for this book too, is after you spend a lot of time, not just in the hiking world, but kind of like the outdoor industry in general, like it's very bro centric, like it's very white, straight male bro time. (laughs) And, um, and so as you know, anyone who doesn't fit that description hiking you can kind of run into a lot of bullshit and so there is a group here in Oregon called unlikely hikers that is founded by this woman jenny brusso who i'm obsessed with um i sent her a copy of this book with like a very unhinged email and she never got back she never got I back to me that. but <laughs> anyway which did which did not okay. surprise me but anyway but so uh their group kind of you know, emphasizes that everyone is welcome in nature. Um, and there's a lot of, after learning about unlikely hikers, I they, so they lead like group hikes where um, people of all different hiking levels and body types and whatever can hike together. And so I did one of those with them and following their group, there's a lot of other organizations too that, you know, promote people of color in the outdoors or there's another group that's based out of, I think, Oregon, called Fat Girls Hiking, which is emphasizing fatness in nature. And um, just there, there's a whole ton of great groups working on this, but kind of writing a very, like, soft gay love story on the PCT it was kind of my, like, you know, rejection of the, like, bro culture in, in the outdoor industry that... Yeah. Still needs work, but, (laughs) but yeah. That's
0: amazing. And I know there is that scene where you like face that head on, on the trail. um, And that was a really powerful scene and just handled so well. Um, But yeah, it's so funny. Um, So as I'm reading, I, I, so, I have only been on like a two night backpacking trip.
1: That's still a lot. Uh, and, um, okay. It is like two <laughs> nights spent in the wilderness is more than a lot of people do.
0: <laughs> and I don't know. I think it ended up being like 18 miles round trip. I think we were up north. Um, I want to say near like Julia Pfeiffer and Big Sur. Because my husband is big into, like, he's hiked different parts of the PCT. Mm-hmm. And um, just, like, by being around the talk of it, like, hearing about the trail angels is so yeah. cool. And just, like, there seems to be this really neat camaraderie. And even though you said that you're, it doesn't have a big cast, this book, it's so cool because they run into friends and like you get that that sense of community in in this book and a diverse community which is really cool which is what you have you know portrayed and i i just love it so much yeah and the
1: so what <laughs> but, what yeah. your husband did of like or has done of hiking portions of the PCT at a time is the same thing to do mm-hmm. like like humans <laughs> because there there is this like i mean the more you get into trail culture and stuff there is this like culture of being a through hiker um that can be very pretentious and um and there's all these like people have very strict rules about what it means to be a through hiker or not but um yeah like hiking that many miles at a time is not what our bodies are meant for and and people that do it and sometimes do it multiple times um like something is slightly wrong with them (laughs) And I, but which I which I say in a loving way, um, I I I think yes. it's it's actually very similar. Like I've kind of I don't know, read a lot about this stuff, but it's similar to I think people that are addicted to doing marathons, um, like a lot of people that do that mm. kind of like constant pushing your body to the extreme adventures. Like a lot of their brain chemistry is similar to like people who suffer from addiction. Like mm-hmm. it's a very like, you know, cause they're kind of chasing like this high that they need through, you know, ultimate adventure things or, or running 10,000 marathons. But, but anyway, but yeah, there really is like, if you are through hiker, even if you set out on your own, like Alexi and Ben do, there really is this kind of community because especially with the PCT, if you want to hike from Mexico to Canada, all at the same time, you have, it's very carefully timed, like you have to leave at a certain time of year, so that you don't run into, you know, too hot temperatures in the desert, or snow in the mountains. Um, And so you like have to leave at this like, kind of like two week period in the spring, um, to hopefully reach, you know, Canada by the fall. And so a lot of through hikers are kind of like hiking together you know so they they often yeah run into each other over and over um you know throughout the journey so it does kind of become this yeah this this family on the trail
0: it's amazing i have such respect and
1: no (laughs) desire
2: it's a good way to put it
1: Yeah, no. Even like the even the the bits that I did on the PCT probably were like the hardest things I've ever done. Um, yeah, there were just lots of moments that like scared me and like not in a fun way. <laughs> like the things that make those like adventure seekers, you know, that give them that high of like, oh, I'm doing something really dangerous or hard. For me, I was just scared. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to cross this river that could sweep me away if I slip and kill me oh, or okay. I don't want to hike up the side of this really steep cliff with a snowbank <laughs> that could kill me yeah so they were like thank god I had cliff god. there my hiking partner cliff was was very mm-hmm. wonderful um but yeah so when I got off so the first summer that we went out to the PCT, we did about a hundred miles and then we went back the next summer to do this like 50 mile stretch. Um, And that section was particularly tough, very beautiful, um, but tough. And there were also like wildfires happening at the time, which is another, especially on the West coast with Mm -hmm. like the PCT. That's another big concern these days, like, like a fire, not a fire marshal, but like a forest service man came through like one night and was like you have to leave or like you know by, by dawn or we're, we're closing this trail because of the fire and you could see like the wildfires around us and um, anyway but so I got off that second time and said to my wife I'm going to want to do this again and you're going to have to tell me no because <laughs> I know once I know um... I get off the trail I'll like romanticize it again but it's it's too much <laughs> So, yeah, it's yeah. it's tough. It's very scary.
2: Now you yeah, can just exactly. write about it. That's way safer. Exactly. Yeah. So then I wrote about
1: it instead. That's exactly what I did. <laughs>
0: I love it. Also give us the forest ranger novella, okay?
2: <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. You have to leave right now with me. <laughs> danger bang. Danger bang. Everybody loves a danger bang. It was
1: actually that was one of my favorite oh, interactions God. on the trail because um well, that whole night was like a shit show. Um because like I said you could see like the fire closing in on this patch of forest where we were oh my and God. this like poor teenager like came through. So we were like setting up our camp and this oh. teenager came through and he's like, he was basically like, I have to call my mom. I have to get out of here. <laughs> and we were like, call your mom. Oh I know. hope that your mom can come get you. Maybe. um, And so... <laughs> So he was really freaked out. And so I was like, I was like, why are you out here on your own? You shouldn't be. But then, um, yeah. <laughs> but actually, I think the forest ranger came through looking for that boy because I think they had contacted, you know, like the forest service and was like, can you find my son? Um, but anyway, so he didn't see us um, for a little bit, but we saw him. And there are signs, you know, everywhere around this campsite we were at that said, you know, like, extreme fire danger, no campfires. Um, but people are assholes. And so, you know, people still make fires. And so he saw this, like, obvious yeah. evidence of, you know, the fire pit that someone had made. And he was like, oh, and he, like, he cursed. He was like, oh, motherfucker or something. And he, like, kicked out the ground. And then he saw us. And he was like, oh, hello. And then he went, like, and then he went back into, like, <laughs> serious forest service you know like ranger mode and was very professional <laughs> but before but before he saw us he was like it was so funny getting to see oh my God. and then he was very nice and then he was very I nice love and polite it. Um, yeah so it was seeing that like you know uptight romance hero like you know seeing him let loose <laughs> before his mask before his yes. mask came back on <laughs> I just loved him so much <laughs> <laughs> i love it so much oh my anyway. god
0: so and like the background this if if we were to put a soundtrack to this book i like it would have like this folk music sort of uh feeling just like okay so tell us about our next topic which is uh noah khan right? yes <laughs> And Noah's new album called Stick Season, yes. which you did tell us is very, it is very sad, sad, which <laughs> something wild and wonderful <laughs> would have more of like a hopeful yeah. feel. But tell us about like folk music and like, I just feel like it goes so hand in hand. It has such like an, a very
1: feeling of nature. It and does. I, I love it too. I love folk yeah, music. And there's definitely yeah, like a brand... Of folk music that fits like that outdoor bro persona who is really who I am yes. inside. Oh. Um <laughs> I was like at my heart, I'm just like a stoner dude. Um but <laughs> <laughs> Daddy. Yeah. But, but no, I, I've been sharing um like a bunch of songs from the playlist for this book on my Instagram like this last month. And it was a oh. it's a playlist that was very it's actually changed a lot as I've worked on the book. Um, but it's a very easy playlist to to curate. Yeah, because anytime I hear just, like, a warm, hope-filled, like, folksy song, I'm like, oh, Alexi and Ben. Like, it just, like, it it fits very yep. well. And actually, I've had several people, which didn't happen with the first book, but I've had several people email me songs and be like, like, let like, Oh, yeah, like, like I texted yeah, like you, you actually yeah yes yeah, so you did that but other people have too they've been like oh I heard this song that made me think of Alexi or it made me think of Alexi and Ben and that is like such a special yeah. thing to me um but yeah it's a very gentle book so I think any type of like gentle mm-hmm. folksy music really fits it very well but yeah, basically Courtney asked me if I, you know, had any pop culture things I wanted to talk about. And I was like, I do not really consume pop culture, <laughs> but I've been listening to this album a lot. But yeah, so I love Noah Kahn. I feel like his latest album is just a masterpiece. I actually wrote like a huge blog post about the album on my website, which has nothing to do with like my books or anything, but I just wanted to talk about this album. So um yeah. So if you haven't listened to it, so the, the titular track stick season has been playing on the radio here a lot. Anyway, I don't know if it plays on the radio everywhere. Um, but the whole album I think is worth digging into if you've only heard that song. Cause the rest of the songs are, are wonderful and really tell a story, which I think is why I like albums like this, like from beginning to end stick season tells a story. Um you know, and you really feel what Noah Khan is going through in this album, and it's and sound wise, it's you know different from his previous stuff. I mean, it still sounds like him, but like the tone is like you can tell that Noah went through some shit and like had to tell this this <laughs> story through this album. And I wanted to like give him a hug, and <laughs> I hope I he's doing okay. But um yes, it's a beautiful album. If you want. <laughs> Yeah, if you want some nice, pretty man vocals, <laughs> you should listen to I it. Love
0: it. So everyone go, everyone go to Anita's blog. Yes,
1: yes, on my website. I can't. I'm excited. I'm
0: always looking for new music. And so, what is up next for you, my friend? Um, I mean, yeah. like you have to release your amazing. book. Yeah. What, what um, else? Are you so. Yeah, could I turned share. in
1: my next book, book three, which is called "How You Get the Girl," um, and it is. Oh my God, that's yeah. Title. It's a Taylor Swift song, um, and so, so it's a it's a very sapphic book, um, and the my editor suggested like tweaking the title a little bit, and I was like. Okay, so the title is actually a Taylor Swift song. And lesbians really love Taylor Swift. So can we keep it as it is? Which I felt like a very unprofessional email after I sent it. But anyway, so she was like, sure. So anyway, it's called How You Get the Girl. And it is Julie's story. So Julie shows up in both of my first two books. So she is London's twin sister from the first book. And then Ben's best friend in the second book. So um, yeah, so it's finally time for Julie to tell her story. It's kind of a sports romance um, about basketball, which I feel like is not like a sport that's seen as much in romance. So I hope it goes okay. (laughs) I like so that's exciting Um, I know we have all these baseball and hockey romances but how about women's basketball (laughs) so um (laughs) yeah and it it has a much I'd say it's a much different tone again from this one it's probably the the closest to like a rom-com that I've written like there were lots of scenes that like made me laugh while I was writing it so I hope it makes people laugh as (laughs) they read it at the same time that there's lots of depressing things in it too because that's how I, how I roll, but yes, so I'm excited. I'm actually really excited to dig into edits on that one after I'm done promoting something wild and wonderful and um, yeah, get to think about that one more next.
0: Yay. And um, can you tell people who are tuning in um, where they can like follow you along on social? Yeah.
1: So on Instagram I'm at Anita Kelly writes on Twitter, I'm at Daffodilly, which is really embarrassing. But um it's like my old like teenager handle. Two Fs, two L's, Daffodilly. <laughs> um I tried to change it once I started like publishing books, but I could not find any version of Anita Kelly that wasn't taken and Anita Kelly writes was too long. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just still be daffodilly.
2: So, um,
1: <laughs> anyway, so that's why I'm on Twitter. If you're still on the imploding platform and my website is <laughs> Anita Kelly and I don't TikTok cause I'm too old. <laughs> nice. Love yeah, That, that was that. like one thing as an <laughs> author that I let myself like let go of. I'm like, I'm not going to care about TikTok. And I feel, I feel good and I feel peace in my decision (laughs) because you don't have to care about every platform if you don't want to. No. Mm -mm. The
0: readers can handle it. The readers can handle those platforms
2: for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Anita, thank you so much for joining us. This was super fun and I might be inspired to go <laughs> take a hike at some point. No promises, but it might happen.
0: <laughs> I might go on a walk. Today. Do it.
1: Yeah, Do walk it. That counts. That, yeah. counts. that is a walk. That counts. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, thank you both for having me and for talking to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for of being course. here, Anita.
2: All right. Thank you all for listening, and we will check in with you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at underscore K, K K-A-E, on all social media platforms. And you can find me, Fallon Ballard, at Fallon Ballard, everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes. And a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.